0: Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. All right, I'm going to just jump right in because I am running out of time here. John chapter 6. If you're there, if you could just give me a, a Brooklyn. I'm there, son. Say it. There, son. Come on, say it like you're from Brooklyn, like I'm there, son. All right. Pick me up in verse 66. It says, after this, many of his disciples, meaning Jesus, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go as well? Simon Peter answered, I'm not surprised Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I just want to preach from a short time together. I want to preach from the topic followers versus imposters. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, Are you a follower? Look at somebody else and say, are you, or are you an, apost- an imposter? I think we'll find out by the end of this sermon. Let's look to the Lord. Father, we ask that you would speak to us today right out of what you've spoken in your word. Would you use our time together in this text to strengthen our faith in Jesus, strengthen our walk, strengthen our love and affections for your son, Jesus. Father, I pray that I wouldn't add anything to this text and take anything away, but that you would be glorified. You'd be glorified, that you'd be exalted, as the song says. That you would be magnified from our time together today. It's in Christ's name we give glory and honor. Let everybody say Amen. amen. Followers versus imposters. It is no secret that, at least to Epiphany Church, it should be no secret that I love growing up in the '80s. Uh, I've, I've shared this to you with you guys before. In fact, I was born. At the top of that decade, I was born May 1st, 1980. And I've expressed to you guys that I've, you know, I, I really love 80s music. I think the only decade that rivals 80s music is 90s music. That's just, that's my personal, personal preference. But 80s music was, was something special. Not only 80s music, but 80s music videos were great. Not only 80s music or, or, or the music videos, but I've told you guys how much I love 80s cartoons. Y'all remember Smurfs and DuckTales and Looney Tunes and Chippendales? Y'all know nothing about He-Man, the master of the universe. I had the whole Skeletor situation going on. But 80s music and 80s game shows and 80s cartoons were the best. But what I've never told you guys was my love and affections for 80s TV shows. There was something about the TV shows when you would take off from school or you'd be sick if, if you grew up in the 80s and you would stay home and somebody that was home mama or, or, or your father or somebody was watching those tv shows it was nothing like it I don't know if you know, know this but there is six game shows from the 80s that have dominated the airwaves in fact for the last seven decades only six game shows have aired a new episode every single decade do y'all, do y'all know what those are Jeopardy, I heard it. Jeopardy is one of them. Will of Fortune. So y'all are getting there. Price is right. The Newlywed Game. Yes. Family Feud. And finally, To Tell the Truth. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of To Tell the Truth. It's a very interesting game show. It aired first time in on CBS in 1956. And... Um, Over the last few decades, they've changed a little bit of how the game show is. And in fact, you you can watch it this week. It's now hosted by Anthony Anderson, still on air, still pushing out new episodes. But even though over the years it's changed a little bit, there are aspects of the game that have not changed. For for, for example, throughout the last uh, uh, seven decades, one of the things that happens with the game show is there's usually three contestants. And out of the three contestants, one of them is telling the truth. Anybody ever seen this show? And two of them are imposters. And what is so interesting about the show is that the winner of the game is not the person that told the truth. But the winner of the game is whoever could be the best imposter. Whoever could lie to the judges the best was the first person to win. And even though I think the first episode aired in 1956, I would say that the pilot aired back in John chapter 6 in Capernaum. Because in the passage before us today, there are two groups of people. And what Jesus does is so interesting. Jesus weeds out the group. He looks at the group and he says, some of y'all are followers of me and some of y'all really have professed faith and you've given your life to me. And then there's some of you that don't really like me and you're not bought into my words, you're bought into the stuff I can do. And he calls them imposters. And what he does in, in in John chapter six is identify the authentic disciples from the ones who were not really disciples in John chapter six, just for context purposes, at the top of it, Jesus just fed five thousand people he does He did it with two uh, two fish and five loaves and then he preaches a sermon because he realizes that they 're there for the miracles and they 're there for the bread and so he preaches a sermon and In this sermon, it gets a little rocky for people because what he wants to do is he doesn't want people there just filling their physical needs, but he wants to fill up their spiritual need. This sermon is called the bread of life sermon, but he's not talking about the bread that you just ate at the top of the chapter. He's talking about accepting his death and accepting what happens on the cross and I know some of y'all are going, Pastor B, this the, is this the wrong sermon for for, uh, uh, for the first service. We're trying to grow. Right, We're trying to get people, but I want to do what Jesus did in John chapter 6. I want to make sure that we're growing with followers of Jesus. Let me say it another way. I am not interested in pastoring imposters. I want to pastor people that are authentically giving their life to the Lord and trusting in him fully. I have three points that I think the passage is going to pull out. Y'all write these down. I think they're going to pop up. If you're online, this is going to pop up for you. Here's my three points. First point, following Jesus often means not following the crowd. Second point, there are no credible alternatives to Jesus. Finally, He alone is the long-awaited Messiah. All three of those are found in our passage. In fact, pick me up in verse 66 as we look at the first point. Following Jesus often means not following the crowd. Please write that down. Following Jesus often means not following the crowd. Look at what Jesus says. Look at what the text says here. It says, after this, many of Jesus' disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. You got to go to the preceding verses to find out what happened. How did you lose everybody, Christ? How how did you have all of these people, 5,000 people, at least 5,000 are all bought into the ministry. How do you not capitalize on that growth? Why do you send people away and how did you do it? If you go back to the preceding verses in verse 59, Jesus is saying some, what they deem is crazy stuff. Jesus is saying stuff like, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you cannot inherit eternal life. And the crowd was astonished. The crowd was messed up. The crowd couldn't believe that Jesus was actually talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, not knowing that he's not physically talking about that, but spiritually. He's saying, unless you accept my body being torn on the cross, you can't inherit eternal life. Unless you have absorbed the fact that my blood was shed for your sins, you cannot inherit eternal life. And so the crowd leaves. And what's so interesting with the crowd leaving is at least 12 stay. The disciples all stay. And their decision not to follow the crowd has been encouraging for me all week. Their decision, you know, many, many people when it comes to Jesus versus the crowd, typically we follow where the masses are going. Wherever the culture is going. But you cannot follow the crowd and follow Jesus. You cannot follow culture and follow Jesus. You cannot follow trends and follow Jesus because most of the time the crowd isn't going where Jesus is going. Can I say that again? Amen. Most of the time, the crowd is not going where Jesus is going. And Jesus understood this. And so what he does is he looks at the crowd and says, ah, I got to see who's really my followers. This ain't the first time he did that. He did that in Luke chapter eight as well. The Bible says all of these people are gathered around him and he tells a parable and intentionally chooses to confuse the crowd. And after he says this crazy parable, the disciples pull him aside and say, Jesus, what are you talking about? We, we, we don't even understand. And Jesus says something interesting. To you, it has been given the secrets of the kingdom, but to others in parables, watch this, for seeing they may not see and hearing they may not hear. Jesus intentionally confused people. Why? Because he wanted to thin out the crowd. Wait a minute, Jesus. Why? Like every church growth specialists will say, this is not what you're supposed to do. At this moment, you are supposed to make sure that the crowd is growing, get more people, turn 5,000 into 10,000. Isn't that what American church does? If we're not a mega church, we're not successful. Says who? Jesus saw success as taking the crowd and only taking authentic disciples those who really follow what he was saying. And if you're not careful, the crowd, if you're not careful, the crowd will turn your heart from Jesus. If you're not careful, those who you are following and not following Jesus can pull you from him. That's why the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, do not uh, let people hold you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. You ever been in conversation where people are trying to get you to question who your savior really is? Following the crowd. But what's so crazy about this crowd Chris, is that this crowd is not a bunch of pagans. You you would think that this crowd is a bunch of atheists or the religious indifferent. No, 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 don't miss this. This crowd is people who were religious. This crowd, don't miss this, showed up for church Look at John chapter six, they were in the synagogue listening to Jesus preach. How else do I, also, I know they're religious? Because they watched him perform miracles and were recipients of his miracle. How else do I know that they were religious because they followed him to some extent to the next town? This crowd was religious and a lot of times when we're talking about don't follow the crowd, you're thinking of the worst people in your life. Wow. And what I'm trying to suggest to you this morning is sometimes the crowd came to church with you. Sometimes the crowd is serving. Sometimes the crowd is the one that you think has been following Jesus, but let me help you, one of the first signs that you are an imposter and not a follower of Jesus is when you are more impressed with his miracles than his teaching. Because the text just said that they followed him as long as he was doing miracles, as long as he was doing gimmicks. As long as he was doing signs they would follow but the moment he sat down and began to teach they said I don't want any of that genuine followers versus fans of the stuff that he does you ever been there where you were a fan of Jesus because he did something for you how many say you know what I want Jesus whether he does stuff for me or not because the goal of being a Jesus follower is not that you get Jesus plus stuff, Miguel, Is that you get Jesus and he's more than enough. This crowd wasn't satisfied with just Jesus. They professed faith in Jesus, but they didn't live under the lordship of Jesus. And the passage teaches us to don't let the crowd sway you. And for some of you, well, God, you know, I promise you at 530 this morning, I got up, Ed text me sometime around six o'clock. Early this morning, I was talking, I was, I was praying, and, and one of the things that God began to press into my heart was that the crowd, don't miss this, isn't often a lot of people. For some of you who is swaying your heart, your crowd is one person. Your crowd is two people. Some, some of you are dating your crowd. Some of you are in relationship with your crowd. Some of you are slipping in the DMs of your crowd, the one person that you've given your life, that is really your Lord and Jesus is like, I can't have you following me and following stuff. How many know to live as Christ and die as gain? How how many are, are sold out to Jesus that no matter what the crowd does, I'm following Jesus. No matter what the crowd says, I'm following Jesus. No matter who comes to church, I'm following Jesus. No matter who fell off in the pandemic, I'm following Jesus. No matter who talks against Jesus, I'm following Jesus because I'm not swayed by the crowd. I'm more devoted to Jesus Christ. And let's be honest, following Jesus ain't easy. Anybody ever walk with Jesus for a while? It ain't easy because what Jesus does is he says, follow me, but he doesn't tell you where you're going. Jesus says, follow me, but he doesn't give you the next instructions. And he does so on purpose, because if he gave us the next instructions, y'all know we would go ahead of him. And so he just simply says, follow me. And sometimes following Jesus can get you frustrated. It can be confusing because Jesus makes turns when you want to go straight. And Jesus gets the off the, takes the off ramp when you want to stay on. So following Jesus ain't often easy. When we first moved to New York for my wife, it's moving back to New York in 2015. We had two cars. And um, there, there were times where we had to take both cars and we had, to, we had to go somewhere. And I hated when Ty would lead. Hated it. Because what Ty would do is to Ty is a, a New York driver in every sense of the word. She doesn't know how to just get over in the lane nice and easy. She has to jerk into the lane. She, she sees the off-ramp, but she ain't getting over till she get right up on it, and then she's going to swing all the way over. And, and so there was a few times where I was following Ty, and I was sure that she was trying to leave me. I'm like, this is, this is intentional. I'm not going to put our business on the, on, all the way out there, but just this week she got a ticket. She is that type of driver. She's that type of driver. And so following her can be confusing. But how many know that sometimes when you follow Jesus, that's what Jesus does. He waits till the last minute and says, "Ah, I know you was doing that, but I don't want you to start that business. Do this. There are times where Jesus says, follow him. And it's frustrating. But how many know that it's better to slowly follow Jesus than to arrive somewhere without him? Ah, Let me say that again. It is better to slowly follow Jesus than arrive somewhere without him. I've done that before where I'm like, Jesus, I, gotta, I, I know where you want to go, but I don't want to go that way. I got to go a different way. And I get there and Jesus is in there and you feel left. You feel stuck. It is nothing worse than being out of the will of God. There is nothing worse than... than you know what's even crazier? When you're successful out of the will... When you've made money, out of the will. When you've gained an attraction and a following, out of the will. But I don't know about y'all, I preached about our next season last week. And one of the things I I am pleading with God to do is as we go to the next season, help us to follow you, not trends, not people, not crowds, not what we see on social media. But I want to be devoted to Jesus no matter where he takes us. So the first point is that you can't follow the crowd and follow Jesus because crowd often isn't going where Jesus is going. Look at what happens here. The the Bible says that they all leave in verse 66. Verse 67, Jesus asks a, a question to the disciples. Do you want to go as well? He turns his attention. You know, this is good. Jesus is one of the, not one of, the best public speaker if you look at Jesus, he's not swayed by the crowd. Like, if half the room right left right now, I'd be like, did somebody fart? Did does somebody breath stink? Like, why, why are people, I would be thrown off. I don't know if I could finish. Jesus sees the crowd leave. He turns his attention to the 12 that stayed. And, ah, this is a word for somebody because there's somebody in here right now that you are begging that person to come back in. And you're begging to fit back into that crowd. You better let them leave. Because what Jesus does is he turns his attention and he focuses on the 12. And when he focuses on the 12, he asks them a question. You ain't leaving too, are you? I I, I know they're I know they were seemingly disciples. And, and and now that they're gone, are you going to desert me as well? I, I've told you this before, but it bears repeating. Whenever Jesus asks a question, it's always rhetorical. Jesus never is asking a question in the text to get you to answer it. He's actually trying to give you information. And so in the text, him asking the question, are you going to leave? He's not trying to really get an answer. He's trying to show them, you ain't got nowhere to go. I am the source. I am the life. I am the bread that feeds you spiritually. I am the water that quenches that thirst. And, you know, this leads me to my second point. There are no credible alternatives to Jesus. This leads me to that point. Why why do I say that? Because Peter's answer tells us everything. Jesus says, are you going to leave as well? And Peter answered in verse 68, we rocking with you, JC. We ain't got nowhere to go. Where are we going? Who will do us like you? Who will be a Lord like you? Who would die for our sins like you? Basically, they're saying, you the real goat. You're the, you're the greatest of all time. Jesus, Peter does what my parents told me to never do. My parents told me to never answer a question with a question. Jesus says, are you going to leave too? Peter says, where are we going? <laughs> we ain't got nowhere to go. I wish I had my journal with me. I actually brought my journal. in my office. I'll, I'll pull it up for the next service. But I, I, this question, this series of questions rocked me this week because I said to myself, if I wasn't devoting my life to Jesus, where would I go? Do me a favor. This week, that's what I want you to do. In your journal, your prayer time, I don't know, your quiet time, you know how we do. In those times where it's just you and the Lord, I literally want you to take out your journal, take out your phone, and write a list of if you didn't devote your life to Jesus, where would you go? Notice the question isn't if we're going somewhere. Everybody's going somewhere. We're all following something. And either we're following Jesus or we are following something. I wrote a list this week. I said, you know what? I'm going to answer the question. Jesus asked me, are you going to leave as well? Peter says, where are we going to go? I said, you know what? I'm going to write down where I'm going to go if I ain't following Jesus. I wrote 10 things. I wrote, I wrote the numbers 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, all the way to 10. And guess what? I didn't come up with one thing. My list is blank. And the reason my list is blank is because I haven't found a better alternative to, than Jesus. And this is why I don't preach anything else and I don't preach about anybody else. This is why I don't preach from a whole bunch of different books. This is why we preach from the 66 books of the Bible. And the reason we do so is because there are no credible alternatives to Jesus. If I found one, I would preach about it. But because I can't, Jesus is what you get. Because there are no credible alternatives. Where will we go? To whom would we turn? Who would we listen to? Who would we follow? Who would heal us? And I'm not talking physically. Who would spiritually heal us? Who would take our dead hearts and ransom it? Who would take our blinded eyes and remove the scales? I'll give you the answer because I know you're going to search this week. Nobody. I'm going to help you out. Your list will be blank because there is nobody like Jesus. The old saints used to sing a song without Christ, I would be nothing. Without Christ, I would fail. Without Christ, I would be drifting. I'd be like a ship without a sail. Anybody know you'd be a hot mess without Jesus? You'd be depressed without Jesus. I need somebody talking back. You'd be anxious without Jesus. You would fail without Jesus. You would lose your mind without Jesus. You would lose your relationships without Jesus. Anybody know that Jesus is everything? Can y'all just lift up a praise to Jesus? we go? I want to answer that question. If it's not Jesus, Epiphany Church, where are you going? Those of you who are home, if it's not Jesus, where will we go? And so Jesus says that. He says, okay, you're going to go too. Peter's like, nah, you, you, you're you the one that, that gives me life. You're, you're the one that gives me purpose and meaning. You're the one that I'm building my identity on, let me stay there for a second, building my identity on. Jesus followers have the identity of looking like Jesus, not looking like our social media feed, looking like Jesus. Where would we go? To whom would we serve? Let me do the wobble real quick and the electric slide and whatever that dance is we did earlier this week. Let me do that through the New Testament, because we're not alone in this declaration. There are many people in the New Testament that answered this question. There is nobody like Jesus. There are no credible alternatives. Can I just quickly go through a few scriptures, write these down quick? I'm going to talk fast, so you got to listen fast. Mark chapter 2, verse 12, after Jesus heals the paralyzed man, the crowd says, we never saw anything like this. Mark chapter 4, verse 41, after Jesus calms the storm on the Sea of Galilee, here's what the disciple says, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? John chapter 7, verse 46, the officers were supposed to arrest uh, arrest Jesus. They come back empty-handed, and here's their excuse, no one ever spoke like him. Acts chapter 4, verse number 12, here's what Peter proclaim, proclaims. There is no salvation in anyone else. There is no other name under heaven among men which we must be saved. First Timothy chapter 2, verse number 5, there is no one, uh, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. I am sticking with Jesus because there are no credible alternatives. There is nowhere else to turn. And I'm trying to save you heartache. That, that's why I'm sticking here for a second. I'm trying to save you pain because some, some of you right now are searching. Know, come on now. You know you registered the person next to you that you really like, they need Jesus. You're searching. You're, you're, you're looking. One of the things I was taught by my mentor is never preach assuming that everybody in the room knows Jesus. I, I know some of you are searching. and you're, You got alternative gods. You, look, you, you, you like Jesus, you like some stuff about him, you like some things about him, but have you devoted your life to him? P- Peter gives us another example, he, he says, look, who, where would we go? But then he goes on, he, here's the other reason there's no credible alternative to Jesus, because he says, and you have the words of eternal life. He doesn't only say where we going, Jesus, if it ain't with you. He's saying we are sticking with you because you have the words of eternal life. And for the believer, eternal life doesn't start when you die and get to heaven. Eternal life for the believer is now. you got eternal life right now. If you've trusted in Jesus, eternity starts for you now. And here's why I don't believe that we can lose our salvation. Because if you could lose it, it's not eternal. It's temporary. It's only, it expires the moment you make a mistake. But we have eternal life, meaning it's persevered through the saints. You you keep your salvation. Why? Not because you are so strong, but because you have a strong God. You keep your salvation because God knows how to hold you. In fact, he says stuff like none can pluck them out of my hand. He says you have the words of eternal life. Y'all know eternity is a long time. Like, this, this is why I trust Jesus. Hell is hot and eternity is long. I want to be with Jesus. He says, listen, listen I ain't going nowhere because you got the words that I need. First point, following Jesus often means not following the crowd. Second point, there are no credible alternatives to Jesus. Why? Because where will we go? Why, why else? Because you have the words of eternal life. And I'll end here. Finally, he is the long-awaited Messiah. Look what he says here in verse 69. He says, verse 68, Simon Peter answered, Lord, whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, verse 69, and we have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is shorthand for him saying you are the Messiah. The reason I'm sticking with Jesus and not following the crowd, the reason I'm a real follower and not an imposter, because you are the one we've been waiting for. You are the one that fills that void in our heart. You you are the one that fills that gap. You are the one that gives me joy. In the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. You are the savior and the sustainer of life. You are, we have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. I like this corporate sense that Peter uses here. We have come to believe. I prayed that over Epiphany Church all week. Let us be a place where we can genuinely say we have come to believe that you are the Holy One of God. Here's my question to you. Can that corporate mandate be a personal experience for you? Can you say, I have come to believe, and I know that you are the Messiah? Peter consistently talked like this. Matthew chapter 16, the Bible says that Jesus came to the disciples and said, who do people say I am? They're like, they're saying you John the Baptist, and and some saying you Elijah, and some saying you Jeremiah the prophet. And Jesus like, forget them, bump them. Who do you say I am? And Peter answers and he says, you are the holy one of God. You you, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ, the son of the living. God, I'm sticking with Jesus, y'all. And I want to implore you in this next season, and I know the last one has been rough for you. I know the last year and a half has been tough for you. Stick with Jesus, not the crowd. Somebody here today that and I don't mean this in, in a disrespectful way, but there's somebody here that you would say, I identify as an imposter. I like the things of God, but I, I don't know if I've really given my, I haven't devoted my life to him. I told y'all that I believe that revival is the next season of our church. I believe that people will give, people will move from imposters to followers and here's the beautiful thing about it, Jesus can do that in an instant. It don't take Jesus all day to do salvation. That ain't how it works. Jesus, this is how he does it. He looks down and says, Mine, your heart's opened. Eyes are opened. There's somebody here or somebody online. You, you, You know you haven't been following Jesus. You've been following the stuff he does, like the crowd. You went to the next town with him because of the miracles. But when he began to say, This is what it takes to follow me, you fell off. And I'm not beating you up this morning. I want to give you an opportunity and a chance to get it right. Oh, B, Pastor B, I, you know, I got a lot of sin in my life. So There's a lot I'm walking away from. Remember last week? They left everything. I got a lot, Pastor. You don't know. He can't love me. No, the crazy thing is, it doesn't matter how deep your sin is. Can I put you to the cross? It's stronger than your sin. stronger than what you did and I don't know who it is maybe it's you in this room and I can't see everybody and maybe it's you at home I definitely can't see you but here's what I know Jesus sees you and he wants to move you from imposter to follower he wants you to give your life to him he wants you to stop following the trends and following the crowd and trying to fit in I'm going to help you out you can't fit in he wants you to follow him you read the reason you can't fit in is because you weren't made for that community. You were made to be a part of the body. And today is your day. Today is the day. I feel like Shirley Caesar. Today is your day. You know that, Josh? No? You got to learn it between now and next service. Today is your day. I don't know who it is, but somebody out there needs to give their life to the Lord. If you're at home and you're like, that's me, Pastor B, would you do me a favor? Go ahead and type that in the chat room. We actually have chat monitors that will love to connect with you. We have prayer right after this that we would love to connect with you. And if you're in this room and you would say, that's me, Pastor B. I-, I-, I need to move from imposter to follower. Would you do me a favor? Just raise your hand. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Maybe it's somebody else and you, you know, you're, you're, you're sitting there and you're going, you know what? I've professed faith in Jesus, but somewhere along the lines, he took the off ramp and I stayed on. I, I want to get it right today. I want to follow him. I don't want to just go for the stuff he does, but I actually want to, I want to devote my life to him. I promise you nobody's better. Would you just raise your hand if that's you? If that's you, I see those hands. I see those hands. Look, we got another service, and I don't have a lot of time. But I, I, I got time. But we don't have a lot of time in this service. Can y'all do me a favor? I just come down for a second. I just want to pray with you. Nothing spooky. Nothing deep. If you would say that's me, I saw those hands. I'll come out to the audience. If you would say that's me, I want to move. If we can have y'all come up, Yolanda, just come stand up with me. Stand up here. Ty, come stand up here for a second. I just want to. I want people to feel comfortable. Like we family. We good. We good. We good. These people are professing faith. Are you still coming? Come on, let's thank God. Come on, can y'all come on over here? Listen, all of us had to get here. All of us had to get to the place where we said, I want to securely put my faith in Jesus. Really, I don't want to play with, I really want to follow him. These bold people have come up today to say, That's me. Here's the beautiful thing: first John says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. Watch this and purify you from all unrighteousness. Jesus loves you. Those of you on the altar, look at me when I Jesus loves you. Not the future you. Not the you you got in your mind where you all deep. No, you now. He loves you. And he wants you. When Jesus turned away from the people that left and he put his attention on the 12 that stayed, here it is. You're the 12. You're the ones he's looking for. Everybody point your hand this way. Father, I thank you for each and every individual that is here. Every single one of them is yours. Nothing Nothing deep here, just it's miraculous. Your word tells us that all of heaven is rejoicing over one. But five people have come to say, I don't want to be an imposter. I really want to follow Jesus. And Father, today I pray that you would penetrate deep into their hearts and that they would walk away from here and be ambassadors of you. That they would not live in shame, that they would not live in fear, that they would not live in isolation, that they would not follow the crowd, but that they would be lights in their community. Father, I pray that their whole family would be saved because they are now followers of you. I pray pray that their whole block would give their life to you because they're following you. I pray that everybody on the job will be like something different about you. And they'll be able to say, I moved from being an imposter to a follower. I thank you, oh God, for each and every individual that's up on this altar today. Do the work in their life. Do stuff that only you can do, that we can't do. Help them to understand that you really do love them and that you really do care for them, and that you really are better than every other alternative that we've ever tried to turn to, that you're better than that. May they experience you and fall madly in love with you, because nobody can do us like you. It's in Christ's name we give all glory. Amen. Can we just like lift up a praise in this room? Come on y'all, lift up a praise in this room. You may be seated. If y'all if y'all all do me a favor, Yolanda, I'm sorry to put you on blast here. If every one of you after service could just see Yolanda for a second, it would be helpful so we can give you a next step. Let's thank God for all of those that came down today.